welcome to Soberholic Podcast. This show is designed to address topics that will encourage, equip, and inspire you to explore life's most difficult topics and overcome your biggest challenges. Today, your hosts, Roger and Jason, will share from their own experience how you can find hope and healing in recovery. Welcome back, Soberholics, to episode 40. What are we doing? 40 what? 46. 46. Um, today, we're going to be talking about depression. You ever... You ever been depressed, Jason? Oh, yeah? Yeah, me too. Yeah, I got to thinking about this because it's the holiday time right now as we're recording, which this actually come out um, next week. A lot of folks don't know, but we record our shows a week early and send them out a week later. So we just went through Christmas and New Year's for us will be New Year's Eve is tomorrow for Mm -hmm. us, which they'll, like I said, catch this next week. And um, it's one of those depressing times of the year. I don't really know why, but uh, a lot of people tend to struggle with depression. And, you know, I don't think that dep- – I think there may be something called seasonal seasonal depression. But there is, yeah. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. Right. Um, what I thought maybe would be good for us to talk about and maybe for our listeners to hear is just the idea of depression as a whole, um, of how we've been in it and how we kind of got through it. And to kind of keep us on point today, I've came up with like five tips for us to kind of overcome this depression. And I by no means am a psychologist. Uh, No. You know. (laughs) I can vouch for that. Yeah, yeah, I can vouch for you too. I'm not either. Uh, That, um, you know, so I don't don't claim to have it all, but these are just some things that I've used, some tools I've used in my own life to overcome depression. And I know that you really haven't seen all of these, but... I know some of these you can chime in to say that you agree or disagree yeah. with, and that's yeah. perfectly fine. Yeah, this is just our personal experience. Yeah. So I figure the best way to start with today's show is to kind of get into what is depression. You know, what, you know, what does that look like? Yeah. And so, um, what do you do when you don't really know an answer? You go to Google. Go to the dictionary. Oh, oh well, <laughs> I guess Google now, not the actual dictionary. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I don't know what a real dictionary is. Even. Yeah. Do you have one? No. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, so I Googled this, and I read a couple of different articles, but I liked this one. I wish I would have cited it, and I didn't, um, but it wasn't like a professional paper. So right, yeah. It, it was just a, a random Google search. But it, it talks about how, the like a major depressive episode, it could be defined as experiencing five of these um, like symptoms. So here are the symptoms they listed. Give them to us. Depressed or irritable mood. Uh, sleep problems like sleeping too much or too little, change in interest um, or not being interested in, in what you used to enjoy, mm. uh, low motivation. These kind of go in with some of that. Excessive guilt or unrealistic low self-image, significantly low energy and or change in self-care like you just quit taking a shower, you know. You just That's give a up. clear sign, dude. I've done yeah. that. I yeah. mean, I'm laughing about it, but you, you just straight up laying in bed stinking because you just can't get up. <laughs> you know, been there. Yeah. <clears throat> Moving on through these, uh, significantly worse concentration. Um, like you just can't keep your Focus. your mind on anything. Yeah. You know, maybe if you're in school, your grades are dipping. Uh, whatever it is, you just can't stay focused at work, anything. Mm-hmm. Changes in your appetite, you eating too much or too little. We'll get into some of that here in a little while. Um, aggregation. Um, agri- agitation. Ag- Thank you. Not agitation. Um, or severe anxiety. Uh, Panic attacks. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, of course. 
And then suicidal thoughts, you know, those plans, behaviors that lead up to the actual, you know, the end all action. Yeah. And so it says that, you know, maybe five of those could define what it would be like to be depressed. And and I mentioned that because you and I have talked about it at times. And I think you mentioned in one episode previously that even your wife asked you, are you depressed? Yeah. Because sometimes you don't know if you're depressed. I mean, you don't wake up and go, yeah, I'm just really depressed. I don't want to do anything. Right. And for me, it's a slow fade in depression. Yeah. And one of these turn into two of these things that turn into three or four or five until you finally find yourself in a really deep, dark place that you just feel like you can't get out of. Yeah. I mean, there's been, there's been traumatic events in my life that plunge me quickly into a depression but most of the time it is a gradual slide down into a depression uh for me and there's been a few times where you know there weren't they weren't long depressive episodes but i'd have a i'd have a couple two or three weeks where i'd kind of just slide into a funk and i might have been heading towards a depression where you know people around me asked me hey uh you know i've noticed this you know, are you depressed? And then it made me go, huh, you know what? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm heading that way. So yeah, it, it can be, and depression is one of those things where it, it's almost like if I was going to personify de- like depression in somebody, it's like, it doesn't want to be discovered. Right. So it just want to kind of keeps, it wants to keep on going, you know? Because yeah, a lot of times, you you know, for me, the picture that I would tell someone would be the guy walking down the road with a rain cloud over his head. Yeah. But yeah. you don't really see that a lot. A lot of times you can smile and look happy. Right. And you don't look like all that's going on. But on the inside, you're feeling all those things. Mm-hmm. And so the five things that we're going to talk about today will help maybe clarify how I have kind of came out of depression and some of the things that I believe are important to kind of get out of that rut of depression. And maybe that's not the best terminology to say that there's a rut that you should get in. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that mental illnesses and that part of things that go to it. I just know what I've struggled with personally. Yeah. And there's, I mean, you know, I guess experience is one of the greatest teachers. And when I went through this loss of my hand and, and that stuff, I stayed in depression right. for quite a while. And so I guess I can speak to only what I speak to is from experience, yeah. not a clinical standpoint. Right. right. I mean, we we are not talking about depression from a clinical point of view because we don't know anything about that. We're not trained in that. This is just from our own personal experiences. So now that we've got all the disclaimers away, because yeah. I don't want the hate our, mail out Our legal this. disclaimers yeah. out there. I just want you to, to, to hear something that maybe can help you out of a place that I used to be in. Yeah, and, and these these tips I've, I've, I use in my life now to keep me from getting depressed. Right. So the first thing that I want to talk about is meaning. Uh, when I find myself kind of in a rut uh, where I kind of begin to drift off into that dark place that I don't really want to be in, where I start making some bad decisions, um, that stinking thinking, some people would say, is because I've really lost meaning. I have no meaning, or we could just say purpose here, Mm -hmm. you know, that I, I have no purpose. And that's where I was when my drug addiction, there was just... I had lost all purpose in my life. My my only job was to get up and get high again and right. figure out where to get the money to go get more dope that day. Yeah. That was what my job revolved around. And if that's all you've got look, to look forward to each day is to figure out where to get high the next day, there's not much sunshine in that, right? Right. Oh, yeah. And for me, like in recovery early on, my focus in recovery was getting all my stuff back. 
I, I wanted to get a good job. I wanted to make money. I wanted to buy the car I wanted. You know, I wanted all the things that I felt like I had lost to my addiction. I wanted to get those back, and that was my primary focus. And there was really no meaning in that. There's no deep, true, you know, satisfaction in material things. And, and I felt, I feel looking back now that that's one of the things that kind of led me into the depression of my last relapse that I had. Yeah, and so you and I were both believers in 12-step work. Right. And, and that's kind of way I, I transitioned out of that dark pit that I was in of depression and despair and worthlessness and, and that I had no value. Those are the things I believed about myself, and so it was easy to stay in this depressed state for a long time. And so as I worked these steps, um, things began to change. I found my value in Christ um, as I became a believer, as I worked through all this negative stuff through an inventory, you know, and I got rid of the baggage by sharing that with other people. And when I made my amends to, to those people I had harmed or forgave those who had harmed me and, and continued to take some inventories, daily inventories, so they don't build up again and get me back in that place, I came to what we, we say the 12th step is. And, you know, the 12th step says that having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry the message um, and practice the principles in all of our affairs. Mm -hmm. That, for me, has become my purpose. Uh, those are the things that I get to do is I share the most horrible, horrific times of my life to other people so that possibly they don't have to go where I went. Oh, yeah. And that's cool for me. I, I mean, I, I literally love doing what we do. Oh, yeah. That's the reason, I mean, everybody says, oh, how's that podcast thing working out for you? Yeah. Uh, are, have y'all made it big yet? Yeah. It's not about making it big. Right. It's not about making any money. It's about me doing what I believe is is my purpose, is yeah. to share hope to other people. Yeah, I agree. I mean, to me, that's, I mean, the amount of fulfillment that I get out of helping the next person, showing one more person that there is hope, that change is possible. I mean, it's there is no amount of money that can buy that, you know. Um, I, th I think it's, it's natural when you get early on in recovery to want to kind of focus on the material things because you have none, and you do need to kind of focus on those things. You don't need to just throw them out, but you need to have that purpose and – even if you're not even in recovery, you still need a purpose. You know, you don't, you need something that brings you fulfillment. Well, meaning came from being part of something bigger than myself in mm, the beginning. Yeah. When I first walked into the rooms of recovery, I saw people who seemed to be happy. And it wasn't just one particular person, it was several people. So it wasn't like I just saw one person lying over in the corner. It was like everybody had this sense of sobriety, yeah. and it was real. And I didn't understand it all, but I, I wanted a little bit of what they had. And so that's how recovery began with me, and that's how that meaning or that purpose became um, part of me because I wanted to be part of them. Had, at that point, for me, it had nothing to do with Jesus. I wanted to be part of that, that group, and that's where I found my purpose that was to be part of them because mm -hmm. I wanted to be, and, and I know that's probably not the most Christian thing to say, but that's what, how it started for me. And that's what you had to work with at the time. Yeah. yeah. And so th as, as I worked the steps, I found that relationship right. with Christ. And then from that, uh, what, and, and I'm not saying that everybody should do this, but it, it turned into where I had my recovery meetings and then 
as my spiritual life began to grow, I began getting plugged into my church, church. and that's where I wanted to serve more was inside of my church. And, and so now I've kind of balanced my recovery meetings and my church. And, and so it, it's worked well that I'm now serving and giving to something much bigger than myself. Yes, definitely. I agree. So um, the, the second one is relationships. Mm. Now, relationships is one of those things that um, I believe is very important for anyone who is struggling with depression or or maybe prevents you from going to, to a depressed state. Uh, life was never meant for us to do alone. No. You know, um, it's, it's oftentimes when we get torn away all by ourselves is when we can hear those lies from the enemy the loudest, and we don't hear the truth from other people. And so when we, re- we put ourselves in recovery meetings, when we put ourselves in church around other believers, then we have people speaking truth to us. Right. And that is so important. Oh, yeah. I mean, and then just identifying relationships that are toxic in your life. I know for me, there's been times where every every relationship I had, it was – it was a negative. It was a toxic relationship that was pulling me down into the depression because it was just so draining. I got nothing out of the relationship. And I think that's okay if you're trying to help somebody. But if you look at all your relationships and every single one of them is like that, then you need to make a change. You know, you need some of your relationships to be positive ones. You need to be around people who are positive and who want some you know who have something that you want and that you respect and you look up to you need those positive influences in your life and not just people who just drain you the book that i wrote soberholic 12 steps later uh in that book i talk about how if you show me your five closest friends i'll show you who you'll become mm. and i i didn't come up with that, I mean, that. It, it's said in, it's it's said <laughs> all over in different versions yeah, you know I just yeah. I, I, that's kind of how i've always i've hung on to the principle of that in recovery because i can remember looking back at some of my closest friends in addiction and i began to circle myself with people who looked like i did because when i compared myself to them i didn't look as bad yeah for a while right yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so as I've gotten sober, I try to I try to put myself around positive people, not the toxic people you're talking yeah. about. What I've seen is when people come, maybe they'll go into, let's just say treatment. You, you find yourself, you go into treatment. Fortunately, this was not my story, but I've seen this with many sponsees. They go into reco- um, to rehab, they get better. We'll just say it's a nine-month treatment center, six-month, nine-month, it doesn't really matter. But they come out and they go back to their family. Well, that family may be the most toxic thing they have. You know, mom, dad, girlfriend, wife, I don't know, but that is what, you know, puts yep. you back into that funk, yeah. into that horrible place and so you fight that tendency to go out and do what they're doing or yell and scream with them and you just kind of withdraw within yeah and and it leads you back to that depressed state that how can i solve this issue well the only way i know to solve it is back to the drugs right yeah because you didn't learn any any or you didn't put to use the spiritual tools that you learned in recovery whatever kind that was that you were learning. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things I've said it on this podcast a couple of times. One, there is a certain level of depression that if I get to, there's kind of like a point of no return for me, I'm going to make myself feel different. And so the key is to catch it before then. 
And one of those ways is to to just guard against your relationships. If if you know that going back, if you're that person that just got out of the rehab, going back home is not a good situation. You need to to plan ahead of time and not go back there and and make arrangements to go somewhere else and yeah. and to be active. You need to be proactive in guarding against depression. I have to be in my recovery. Yeah, because there's, um, I mean, there's other options. You can't say, well, I don't have anywhere else to go. I've got to go back home. Right, no, yeah. you, you, there's halfway houses. Right. That's the perfect reason a halfway house would work for you in that situation. And I'm not saying that, that oh, that's the fix for everything. But the, the bottom line is this. That you need to have some positive relationships in your life. Yes. You need people who's going to speak truth into your life. Because if you're isolated, you believe lies. That you, that you tell yourself. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, I've never been in, in, in a depressed state and, and said positive things to myself. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> like, there's never been a morning no. I wake up and journal and have all these this great affirmations and, and these things that I tell myself to believe. Uh, that what I believe is I'm a worthless piece of crap that can't ever do anything, and why am I still breathing? Right. You yeah. know, those are the things that I believe when I, when I get depressed. So I need other people to show me, no, Roger, it's not that bad. You're right. still sober today. You still have your wife. You know, if your bills don't get paid, you can at least live in the basement of the church. Right. You yeah. know, whatever it is, <laughs> I need people to show me that there's good things still going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and you can't do that when you have not built healthy relationships. I mean, and even if you're not in recovery, putting work into building healthy relationships with other people where you can have accountability, you can have somebody who is going to tell you the truth in love, I mean, those are just good things for anybody to do. I've, I've kind of made a point here, at least over the past five years or so, and this is not necessarily exactly what we're talking, but it's close to it. And it goes to the relationships portion of this. Is I have found that if there's a direction I want to go in life or do, then I will find someone who's already achieved a mastery at this. Yeah. And I try to position myself around them. Right. I don't go say, hey, I need you to teach me. No, I just get around them. Yeah. And the more I see them and see the actions that they do to to achieve the things they've achieved, then I begin to do that. I begin to talk like they talk, not because I'm just trying to copy them. It's just because I understand what they're saying now. Well, it worked for them. It's <laughs> so, true. Yeah. That's what I did in recovery. Right. You know, so, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to do what these people are doing. And, you know, and I think there's a lot to that. You know, I mean, if somebody, somebody has done something that you would like to do and you haven't been able to do, then it makes sense to do what they do. It's, uh, it's, Paul uh, even says that in the Bible. Yeah. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. There you go. The other thing is, the, the third one is uh, exercise and diet. Mm. Now, um, I believe that both of these kind of go together. I, I, don't, ah. I, I don't believe you can do one without the other. No, no I, I'm saying I ah, because my diet is terrible. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was like a I've disagreeing. I've got one of them. I've got the exercise. I'm trying to outrun a bad diet, and it's working. Well, right now it's working. But the inside of my Looking veins. Yeah, well, I don't know what the inside of my veins look like either, though. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there, there's a truth to that. No, you're right. right. i got to work mean, on the diet one. Because if you could, like, I've been going to the gym a lot. And, of course, when I start going to the gym, I want to read all about the gym. And so I, I'm following everybody I can on Facebook and reading every article I can about how to build muscle, how to do all these different things. All right, well, 
if I'm not using you know fuel in me to to build muscle, then I can't. I can't build muscle. It don't matter how many weights I uh, I lift if there's nothing to rebuild my muscles. Right? You're not running on air and ambition. <laughs> That's exactly right. And I think that you know what we put into our body is what we become. You know, I, I think I, I saw a meme the other day that talked about uh, your your physical body is a reflection of your lifestyle. And, and I kind of pondered on that for a little mm. bit because there's some truth to that. And I know everybody could disagree with some some of that. I know there's medical conditions out there. But to an extent, I, I think there's, yeah, there's for some me, merit there. Th- yeah. th- there's some truth there because I can't go eat Reese cups all day long and expect to gain muscle. Right. Um, and and as I've been trying to play around with this diet some and get a little better at what I eat, I, I don't. When I say diet in the sense, I don't mean like oh, you're on a diet. Yeah, I yeah. mean it, I mean like what I'm eating, the the micro Your nutritional the, habits. Yeah. And as I've been eating more clean, um, like more chickens and things like that, versus you know, fr- grilled chicken versus fried chicken, or the <laughs> list goes on and on of those things that I. I literally feel better when I'm not bogged down with grease and all those things. Yeah. And, and I know some people will hear this and they're already going, oh, Rolling. really? This is what we're talking about? It's true. I, I really believe when you feel that, there's yeah. a difference. And so what you're fueling your body with makes a, a, a direct impact on your mood. Oh, yeah, definitely. And the same with exercise. I mean, if you just lay around all the time and you don't get any exercise at all, to me, that definitely affects my mood. Um I I have gone through periods in the last few years where, like last year, I didn't exercise for eight months in a row. And looking back, I think I was a little bit depressed just just because I was just lazy, you know. Just I was sleeping probably too much. I was I was eating too much. I just felt lethargic. Um, I just didn't have near as much energy as I have now, and it affected my mood, you know. Um, and so I think I think for me, especially this time around in recovery, exercise has really played a important part. I know I'm not saying you 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 have to do this or you can't stay sober or anything. I don't. It's not on that level to me. But it it was one of the puzzle pieces that has really helped me in my um you know my recovery um recovery plan or what my recovery lifestyle is now is is having that exercise because it really does help me with my depression and with my anxiety and all that stuff it's a great stress reliever well that's exactly what i think to say you know as far as stress stress altogether if i don't have no way to i'm going to have stress oh yeah everybody it's life there's things that happen i don't agree with i don't know how to deal with and things crop up being a parent you know my job all of those things are there's there's stressors that come in the way i used to to work those stress was well i would numb it with drugs right that's not an option for me today so i had to figure out a healthier option for that and rather than just pouring in more food of just junk food then exercise is kind of it's that puzzle piece as mm-hmm. you mentioned, and it's working for me today. Yeah, and I may disagree with it. I don't believe I would disagree with it. I may get lazy and quit doing it, but I think that's very important um, for me to come out of depression or to remain depression free. Yeah. The next one is sleep. Our fourth one would mm. just you know sleep 
is important. Uh, when I first got sober, I, I tell people this in my testimony as I've traveled around at Celebrate Recoveries and shared it, but um, I, I literally say that I had to put myself on a schedule eating and sleeping because I would, you know, drink or drug until I blacked out or passed out. Mm-hmm. That's not a joke. I mean, I, no, yeah. I literally did that. And so I, I believe now that sleep is just so important. That's where your body repairs itself. I don't know all the, the, the scientific facts behind that. I just know it's true. Yeah. If you are exercising, that's when your body repairs itself. That's when you get downtime to quit worrying about things. And we need sleep. There's times, and I've done this in my own recovery, like when I have been in recovery for years, I got so focused on work and different things and the worry of trying to make it all work out, I was sleeping three and four hours Mm -hmm. a a night trying to get all my busy work done, which was not healthy at all for me. Right. Which kind of digs digs you down in that hole of depression. Oh, yeah. I mean... For me, I've I've had trouble sleeping on and off since I was a teenager. And, you know, before I was, you know, way into drugs, like I eventually got and was a full-blown addict, I, mean, I took sleep medicine. I went down all that, I went down that path and all different kind of sleep medicines and everything. So it's something I've always struggled with, and I still struggle with it from time to time now, getting good rest. And then, but the exercise, the other point, when I'm exercising, I tend to sleep a lot better, but it can, it's one of those things that you overlook a lot and you don't, you don't put a lot of stock in like sleeping. Yeah. I know it's important, but you know, then you just kind of blow it off. But when you're not getting sleep, it can be miserable and it can really make, or for me, like I can like my anger level goes through the roof when i'm not sleeping right and then that anger you know is um and i can i can get depressed because i'm not sleeping enough it's 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 a key part of being healthy is just being able to sleep all right so let's see how how much do you sleep on average (sighs) while you're thinking of that i'll answer the question because i've not talked about that but I'm pretty routine with my sleep. In the mornings, I mean in the evenings, I will go to sleep about 9 o'clock. I'm a pretty boring person now. In fact, like I said at the beginning of the show, tomorrow's mm-hmm. New Year's Eve. There's little <laughs> to no chance I'll make it to midnight. You're going to be up in the Yeah, we're, we're going out to some friends' house, yeah. fr- a bunch of recovery friends at that. You, but I just don't see it happening for me. You're going to be that guy who is so mad at the fire at the neighbors setting the fireworks off at. That, man. Oh, don't God. bother me a bit. I'm the guy that's mad that they're keeping me up. <laughs> but I would say I go to bed about nine o'clock. You know, give or take thirty minutes on that every day, and I wake up about five o'clock every morning. Yeah, and that I don't set an alarm. That's routine for me. I, that's when I get up. And so that gives me about, you know, about eight hours of sleep per day. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what you're supposed to have. But for me, that's that's good. If I sleep any more than that, I'm worthless. Yeah. You know, my back starts hurting. I'm groggy all day. It's not good for me. Yeah. If I sleep much less than, than eight hours, I'm kind of like you. I'm, I'm angry and I'm frustrated. And so that's, that's the optimal amount of time for me. Yeah, I think – for me, um, lately, the last few weeks, it's been, I've been going to bed about 10.30, get up about 4.45, but then there's been some days in there where I, because of the holidays, I slept, you know, till like 8 or whatever. Um, 
But I would say you know, typically I'm probably getting between six and a half and seven hours. Right. Yeah. See, so, now you make me look like the lazy guy. No, uh, no. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, there was. I think it was last Friday, last Saturday. I think I slept like ten hours or something like that. And I woke See, I up can't and I do that. Like, well, no, I mean no I normally can't, I can do that. but I did, yeah. and I woke up and the, the whole day I was just this. It was one of those lazy days. It was kind of nice. I, I think I needed it. So I, I'll give you a peek in our bedroom, uh, or kind of the idea of some things that I think is important and that have got me into a habit of sleeping. Some of the ways I do, I don't believe that a TV should go into a bedroom. Um, Oops. <laughs> uh, I, I think a bedroom is for sleeping. Um, now that doesn't mean that I've never had that in the past, but today I don't. Yeah. Like I, um, I, I don't like just laying in bed watching TV. If I'm gonna watch TV, I'm gonna do it on the couch. That's my own thing. And so I'm saying these things. So if you struggle with sleeping, here's some ways that I'm able to sleep like I sleep. There's no TV in my bedroom. Um, there used to be a trick I used to do before my alarm. When I back when I set an alarm, like I told you a minute ago, I don't do that no more. And, and this happened for me when I was in the military. Um, you could not be late for formation. And, of course, there would be times I would oversleep. Well, I, I found that it was best to take my alarm clock and set it on the other end mm -hmm. of the thing. And this was even before iPhones, right, because you hear me talking about this. But, but Alarm clock. Yeah, I take my, <laughs> but I still have one. Uh, uh, you take your alarm clock and put it on the other end of the room, so you actually have to get out of bed. You have mm -hmm. to get cold to where you're awake. You know, oh, yeah. and those things help you get up at a certain time. And when I was developing these habits of going to bed and getting up, those are like the two big things that helped me. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, you, you shouldn't listen to me because I watch the TV when I get in bed at night. So. Like my, my phone. I know, and it I know. It in my bedroom. It, it stays in my living room. And I know, like, you know, doctors and everything are like, don't, you, you need to turn all the screens off and all that. I don't, I just, I don't do it. Yeah. Rebel, rebel without a cause, yeah, and I probably, probably, I'm sure it makes me not sleep as good. But well, anyway. it works for you. So well, I just kind of watch the news. It kind of helps me just kind of watch so something mindless, <laughs> um, and then I'll watch TV for a little while, and then I'll turn it off. Then I'll go to sleep. I don't fall asleep with it on. I can. I bet I can't you my that. wife could tell you that I can fall asleep in less than four minutes. Yeah, it takes me a while to fall asleep. Like, as soon as my bed hits, hits, as soon as I close my eyes, I'm out. Like it don't take me long yeah. at all. Huh. So, anyways, so we're, we're we're getting stalled there. The fifth and final one that we're going to talk about is goals. Goals. I, I think goals are really important. Um, have you ever seen the YouTube? Um, YouTube video and it's I wrote his name down because I actually wouldn't wanted to I wanted you to hear this I want our listeners to hear this because if you hadn't ever heard this guy he's amazing uh, but it's an invocation speech um, that's given from him I think it's an invocation ain't that what you call it at a, col at a college commencement maybe it, maybe it is I don't know listen to the video but it's Admiral uh, William uh, McRaven. And you can like literally Google uh, something like "Make My Bad Speech" and you'll find it. But he talks about how if you want to change the world, to start by making your bed. Mm. And it sounds like something somebody in the military Some would say. Thing. He's dressed yeah. in his, in his right. uniform and all that. But it's so much sense behind it that it's those small things that begin to make change in your it's life. It's like a snowball effect, right? And so if you find yourself depressed in this, in this horrible pit of where nothing's good and you feel worthless about yourself and you feel um, angry at the world, then start making some minor changes because 
any of us can make our bed. I mean, right. that's probably just the smallest. Yeah. Of, you know, it's not the act of doing the bed. It's the act of achieving a goal. Yeah. And I'm, giving yourself value again. Right, yeah. It's like this. if you want self-esteem, start doing esteemable things. Like, I know whenever I have goals that I'm working towards and I achieve them and I set a new goal, like, it makes me feel... You know, it makes me feel a sense of self self worth, and it, and it helps with, you know, a healthy level of pride in myself and confidence in myself. That if I'm just don't have any goals at all, then I'm gonna probably, you know, have low self esteem because I don't see myself doing anything. So, and so it's not about making a huge extravagant extravagant goal. It's it's about making some really small wins in your life. Yeah. You know, getting up and taking a shower, as we were joking at the beginning. Quit being a stinky guy today. Right, yeah. You know, uh, making your bed, maybe just brushing your teeth so you feel a little bit better. You know, those just small things of changing, you know, or maybe even if it's trying to incorporate um, your exercise. Today, I'm going to walk for five minutes. Yeah. I'm it's gonna, not about walking five miles the first yeah, time. You don't have five to run minutes. a marathon. You can just go walk for 15 minutes on your lunch break at work. And it's important that they are small enough because if you are in that state of depression where you feel like you have no value, you feel like everything's kind of um, falling in on you, and you try to set a small goal or or a large goal that's not achievable and you fail at it, it's not going to help you at all. Right. You need small wins. Very small wins. And, and those are kind of the ways that, as you said earlier, snowball to help you kind of get out of that funk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because um, especially if you're early on in recovery and you're just kind of down, you know, just having having a routine by itself is a win. If you can just live by routine and even if you're not in recovery, you know, setting a routine up for yourself, you know, to where you can get in a rhythm of, you know, trying to eat a little better, trying to exercise a little bit, going to bed at a decent time, trying to get a good night's rest. Those things greatly contribute to your, you know, helping you get out of a state of depression. All right. So, kind of to recap, those five things: if you're looking to get out of depression, or maybe avoid depression, uh, then find some meaning in your life. You know, what what is your purpose? Are you serving that purpose right now? Uh, relationships um, are they toxic? Are they healthy? You need to have some healthy relationships in your life, and you need to remove those toxic ones. Your exercise and diet, they play a big part in that. If you want to be in a better mood, then fuel yourself with you good know, things. things that could give you a good mood. And also, you, you know. Get what, active. Yeah. Whatever that looks like for you. <laughs> exactly. You know, remove some stress with it. Yeah. Sleep, you need some. You may need more than you're getting, or maybe you're doing too much. Maybe too much. Yeah. yeah. You, you find that balance for you. And, and you, you can remember what it was like to have a healthy sleep time. Mm-hmm. You know, what does it look like for you? And then finally, goals. You know, Set some. Make them small. Make them achievable. And, and see that where you're at is not always the outcome that you'll always get. You know, Think better things are coming. Yeah. And remember those things. Oh, yeah. Well, man, that's another one. I think that's. There's tons of more we could talk about, but those, you know, if we just wanted to kind of skim the surface, those were the things I wanted to pull out and share with our listeners to help maybe prevent depression this week or maybe get out of depression this week. Yeah, I like them. They all, all, all of those I've, I've used in my life. And the one I need to work on in there is the diet. Yeah, I need to work on that one. 
Will I? I don't know. There's room for work I for need all to. of us, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the reason it's recovery. Right. All right, man. Well, that's another one in the books. Um, I'm Roger. I'm Jason. We're signing out. See y'all. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out SoberholicPodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics.